Welcome to the underground, the Steel City Underground, the black and gold standard for Pittsburgh Steelers coverage. Now, here's your host, Joe Kuzma and Zach Celedonia. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Steel City Underground podcast. My name is Joe Kuzma, and joining me today after a little hiatus, recovering from the 2023 NFL draft for a little more post-draft discussion. One, Zach Flash Celedonia. Hey, Zach, what's going on, man? I love that you said recover because I actually had to do that, man. Like I, I think <laughs> I it was uh Sunday, Monday, back to back days. So right after the draft, it concluded, I slept till I didn't go to bed any night of the draft till at least two, two 30. Oh. And I woke up Sunday at about 10, 10 30 and Monday was the same thing. And I never really sleep in that late anymore these days, but I was that tired. My body just needed the rest and the uh, recuperation. Yeah, I'm right here with you. The amount of stuff, the amount of work. Uh, thank you, everyone, who thanked us for what we put in for all the draft stuff, the two live shows and all the work that went in that. I got to bed pretty late myself, and, uh, you know, I'm getting old, man. Can't party like that anymore. I was I was reading somewhere. Maybe it was like one of these – it's one of these Facebook groups. I mean, irrelevant of what it was, but they were talking about, like, well, the clubs just started – they open at, like, 10 p.m., that's like, man, that's past my bedtime. Like, <laughs> oh not, yeah, no, I'm a midnight guy. I'm a little bit of a night owl. I used to be much more of a night owl than that. Like, there was nothing better than the old Eaton Park breakfast buffet on a weekend night uh, after hitting the clubs and whatnot in the bars. So I totally we were uh, we're big sheets people in this area. So oh, when yeah. you get trashed, you go to Sheets or McDonald's get that grease and that salt in your stomach. Not every McDonald's is 24 seven anymore though, but Yin's over in Western Pennsylvania got the basket of fries, man, the basket. We don't have that in Ohio. Oh, somebody corrected me. We mentioned this once before on a program and somebody did say maybe they do, but in where I travel along I, I 71 and I, I 80 and I 70. No, I do not see the basket of fries anywhere. So I do see that a lot when I'm traveling out like around Pittsburgh and that. So I think it's like a franchise dependent thing. I would like a nice little basket of McDonald's French fries. That making me happy. Instead yeah. You know what? I'll, I'll tell you this. They're, they sound better than they are. I've gotten the basket of fries a couple of different times and I'm woke to this. I think that it's just the like leftover fries in the, um in the, uh, whatever it is where they sit after they're out of the fryer, they all, they dump them in that like aluminum, like container and uh, it sits under hot light and you salt them, you know, you're, I worked at five guys before, no big deal. So you put them in this area and you salt them and they sit there. I'm hip to the theory that I think the basket of fries is just the leftover fries they have. And they, they needed a way to sell them because it's not that great. You're better off just getting two larges or two mediums. The I, same thing. I miss the supersize. Like that whole documentary just totally ruined that the supersize fry the first... well, that guy's a pussy, dude. I could do that. <laughs> oh, and you know what? It's it's mostly false, too. It was mostly doctored. Actually, his health wasn't actually too bad, which like it makes me question. Of course, you don't want to go out drinking a bunch of like Coca-Cola's and, and eating Big Macs anyways. I mean, who would think that would be healthy living or lifestyle to begin with? But my first super-sized fry experience, I was probably much, much younger in uh, one of the malls around Youngstown, Ohio. And they actually put them in like the giant uh large or what might have been a supersized drink 
cup. They didn't have an actual frag container. And he just filled it like you're at the fair somewhere, one of these fairs. Like and Five Guys. Uh, well, Five Guys, they like throw them in the bag. They throw some on the floor. They throw them yeah, out that, the window that's if at you your get car. The, uh, if you get a small, though, they just fill a little cup up. Yeah, but you know what? As small as all you need, that thing like puts me in a food coma. Like literally, I feel like I'm I'm getting diabetes. Like just <laughs> thinking about it, like looking at Five Guys fries. Like you think McDonald's fries are bad, folks? If you haven't had Five Guys fries, that's the seriously. It, that might give you like um, I don't know. It clogs your arteries just instantly. Like oh, I, yeah, I, I, I think I put on a good ten to fifteen pounds when I was working there because you got free lunch every day. And uh, this was a long time ago. We're talking like fresh out of high school flash. And um, every day you got five guys, but it wasn't charged and you could do whatever you want. So I used to make triple patty burgers. I used to take two of our hot dogs. We'd slice down the middle when I put two of them together, make a double hot dog sandwich. I used to get real crazy with it. And um, everyone that worked there when I showed up was like, you'll get sick of it eventually, dude. Never did. Never got sick of it. You know, while we're talking about food and annoying everyone by not talking about draft picks, uh, hot dogs. What, what do you like on your hot dogs? There's like always like the people that like like everything like thrown on them. I'm gonna have to ask Brian this as well. I've always been just a ketchup guy. My mom's always just the onion person. It's like those are a different variety other than like the mustard, mustard and chili and whatnot, folks. But um, having uh, lived in Southern Ohio. The whole skyline thing with the chili and cheese—they they just dump as mu- more cheese than what you get in a taco at Taco Bell. Like you can barely yeah. see the hot dog. Like I'm privy to that too, but I, I'm not a mustard guy. I just never have been. I'm I'm a just true hot dog lover. I can get down with all of it. Like you mentioned, ketchup and onions. I usually wouldn't have just a hot dog like that, but my range of how I like my hot dog starts with strictly ketchup and mustard. And then I like onions on top as well as a possibility. Chili, of course. Cheese, of course. I've um, had a little bit of a Chicago style before where they have a slice of a pickle on one. That's pretty good. So I'm pretty open to my uh, hot dogs. I'm accepting of all hot dog styles. (laughs) There's like a hot dog thing going around with the Cincinnati Bengals, too, that I'm not going to get into. It's a little disparaging (laughs) for those guys. It, It just didn't. Somebody dropped like a term or a word that didn't mean what they thought it meant. And they're getting kind of ripped for it. But uh, if you ever make it to Chicago, my friend Portillo's, that sounds like right up your speed. You know, it's like they Portillo's. Yeah, they throw everything on the hot dogs. It's like a chain. It's a, now they've branched out from Chicago land, of course, too. Like you can find them in Florida and stuff, too. Like if you go down to Disney. But um, yeah, they throw everything on there. It's kind of like a craft hot dog thing. So check that out. I'm giving all kinds of plugs to all kinds of food. Why don't we uh, why don't we talk some football? Football, football makes me hungry, though. So I, that's why. Uh, we're going to talk about all of the Steelers draft picks starting from the very top. Uh, just about every angle we could think of when it comes to this, right? So let's dive into it. Broderick Jones, uh, like the pick, right? Love the pick. Love the pick. It's going to be hard to say like I'm iffy on any of these. You don't have to sell me on anything. But I was thinking about this and everyone's talking about how the Steelers nailed the draft. They're given early draft grades. Of course, we don't do the draft grade thing here because like a few other smart, intelligent people out there. We don't have to defend anything. Let's wait like two, three, four years and see what ends up happening. You know, we probably gave the Devin Bush thing, trading up to get Devin Bush an A when that happened. And then in hindsight, it's like, yeah, you kind of go go back on that. Nobody goes back on their no, draft. Uh, objection, Your Honor. The draft, <laughs> it was an A until he got hurt. So yeah, that was, no, that was no. accurate. You will not, you will not find me disagreeing with that take ever. 
I, the I, draft grades have gotten a recent. They've come off the mountaintop recently, and people all of a sudden hate draft grades. I've noticed that on numerous podcasts I've listened to, and just seeing people talk about them. Oh, draft grades suck. Who cares? Who cares? You care. I care. Everybody cares. We all read the articles, and we all yeah. want to see what people think it's of our team. We, we want to see justification that we did well. And yeah, obviously it doesn't mean anything right now. We don't know anything right now, but it goes hand in hand with, I've had a lot of, Oh, is this the best draft we've seen in Steelers recent memory conversation with people? And I keep saying without seeing anybody play. Yes. A hundred percent. And it's your God given right as a fan to walk around for these next three months and just think, man, we're going to be so sick because we killed the draft. And that's all you know right now. And there's nothing wrong with living in that, that positive mindset that, yeah, we, we ace this thing. Every draft pick that the Steelers had one through seven, you can argue the value was great. The need was met. Like there's, there's no reason to, to cap your happiness. And I, I just noticed that recently that I'm like, when did this happen to draft grades? When did they have their, um, you know, Morgan Whalen moment where everybody just kind of like turned against them and <laughs> because of whether or not they did something or not, or uh, canceled a show or not. Now everybody thinks it's like some kind of like, Oh, you should be embarrassed if you like to look at the draft grades. I mean, no. it's easy for me to say this year just, because we did well that yeah. I love the draft grades, but I've always liked looking them up and just seeing what people think, whether you like to just spark an argument with the person and disagree, or you like justification that your team did kill it as much as the Steelers did. I think draft grades are fine. I'm here to defend draft grades. Well, I don't like grading it on saying like okay this is an a because this player blah 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 this is what you expect because you don't know what the player is going to turn out like so that's what i mean by a draft grade but as far as like the actual steelers moving up the 14 get in front of the jets get a position a player of need that looks like it's going to be a, a, a good fit that much i do like now i will tell you one thing uh one one perception of this i was thinking about was do we think the steelers draft was that much better like this year over recent years it's because I think they they picked they had three picks in the top fifty for the first time since nineteen eighty nine. I think that has a lot to do with it. When you're adding pick thirty two there, you add something that's in between your first and your second round, and you're getting like three first round graded whatever players. There I am with the graded stuff, but take it with a grain of salt, folks. Um, naturally, naturally, yeah. That makes it feel like it's just so much bigger and better than it, it should feel that way. Then you have Omar Khan and Andy Whitel moving up and making that move to get ahead of the Jets and get your guy. And Broderick Jones seems like a dude. So Broderick Jones, uh, I like it. I didn't think he was going to be there. It's much like my not picking of Kenny last year. I just didn't feel he was going to be available, even though I said in one of the articles I did a mock draft of, it's like, man, I really considered, but these mock draft things, he's never there at 17. Well, I mentioned this many times already on these shows. It's like, well, he wasn't going to be there at 17 this year either. That's why they had to move up. So you got to give an A for that. And I think Broderick Jones, I think you were already chatting about this on Twitter. They don't draft a guy like that to not start. <laughs> An offensive lineman, you want those five guys starting together all year long. This isn't like a plug and play. This isn't like a sit, watch and learn, like a Kenny Pickett type situation, like with a quarterback where you have different levels of confidence and you, you don't you have like... That was something else I got into with somebody. It was like, well, they started Mitch Trubisky to start. Yeah, they played two division games on the road at defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. You had Bill Belichick come home 
uh, for your home opener. He's a defensive guru who's going to wreck rookie quarterbacks. And then you had a short week to go up to Cleveland for another division game on the road against the rival. You had two AFC North opponents in the first three weeks, one of those on a short week. And you're going to put Kenny Pickett out there? No, hell no, you're not going to do that. That's why we, we caught on the show forever. We were saying the Kenny and the Jets thing. It's like week four. You looked at it around this time last year and said that. But Broderick Jones... I think he's going to I think he's a week one starter. He's going to be given every opportunity to be, to be the week one starter anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's making me want to pull my hair out honestly. And I know people have to Don't do that. You'll look like time. me. What's up? Don't look like Don't do that. You'll look like me. <laughs> yeah, maybe start with my beard. They um they need to feel airtime. They need to pump content and they need to create conversation. But the he doesn't have to start week one. Is he going to start week one is just such a waste of time to me because I feel like number one, they traded up to get the guy. If they would have sat there at 17 and got him or got a tackle rated just behind him, I would almost lend an ear to those conversations. I would hear you out about maybe him not starting week one, but they traded up to get him, which shows how they feel about him right there. They've already showed their hand and they've told everyone we think this guy is worthy of a first-round pick, a left tackle, ready to go. Number two, he's going against Dan Moore as his competition. And no offense to Dan Moore, not trying to be mean here, but it isn't like he's some eight, nine-year veteran who's seasoned and has been like this solid player for year in and year out. And like is, you know, he doesn't get too many penalties. He, he's solid for you on the front five. Like none of that applies to Dan Moore. He was a fourth-round pick just a few years ago, who's been starting, in my opinion, for lack of like competition in, in on the roster. There's nobody better than Dan Moore. Well, now there is. There's no point to force this, like, oh, well, let's, let's bring him in slowly. No, man, the whole point of going up to get him was to get him in there immediately because if the Steelers had waited and sat back at 17, there's a good chance Broderick Jones gets picked by the Jets, and then they're sitting there, uh, having conversations about do we take the fourth best tackle now? Do we take Joey Porter, Joey Porter Jr. now? And now the whole draft is different. So I think it was very deliberate, obviously, for the Steelers to move up, move up and get Broderick Jones because they envision him as a week one immediate starter. He's going to be 22, right? Uh, May 16th. You know what? So I, didn't, like he's... I didn't even look at that, to be honest. And I usually do. I usually know that right off the top of my head. But yeah, he is young. I know he's young. He's young, but he's not 20. You know, yeah. 22, like you can hang in this league, especially if you've got the goods. And, and by all accounts, Broderick Jones was at least the second best left tackle in this draft. So for the Steelers to go out and address that need, how could you not love the pick? Uh, starting or not starting, he will be, aside the fact that they only gave up a fourth round pick to move up to get him too. And that in itself, I don't think is getting enough shine because it happened so fast and it was kind of, like right there before our eyes on what as round one went underway, the Steelers got up to 14 and there was all this talk, you know, coming from me even that, Oh, do you trade pick 32? Do you trade pick 49 to get back up into the first round? They traded a fourth round pick to get up from 18 to 14, which is nothing like, look how the draft turned out. We yeah. all still love it. So that fourth round pick clearly didn't matter. And now there's this, pushback because people hate to have fun they hate to uh hear the fun stories but there is reason to believe that a good reason why the price tag was so low 
was the Patriots were more than happy, Bill Belichick more than happy to screw the Jets over, division rival. And now it's all coming out. I've seen a couple uh, other Steelers blog sites being like, that's not true. They came out and said they didn't do that. Well, what do you think? They're, they're not going to tell the media, yeah, we wanted to screw the Jets. That That's bulletin board <laughs> material. So I don't think, like, use your own mind, you know, do your own research. Love that. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure the Jets or the Patriots did do that, not only because they felt like they could still get a top corner at 17, because you had Christian Gonzalez, Emmanuel Forbes, Joey Porter Jr., Deontay Banks, all still on the board at 14. They also yeah. felt like it would screw the Jets over. So yeah. love that. Love that it didn't cost a lot. Love that the Steelers are going to get a week one starter at one of the most important positions in football. You know what I say, if you've been listening to this show, it's quarterback, cornerback, left tackle, edge. Those are the four most important spots in football, four highest paid, four highest drafted. You can't not love the Steelers addressing one of those needs with their first round pick and giving up virtually nothing to achieve it. Yeah, yeah, and and we'll we'll catch on uh, with that fourth round here when we get to it. Um, Roderick Jones, uh, twenty one. He's got about twelve days here. What what's his birthday on? The, oh, fourteen days. Yeah, uh, May sixteenth. He'll be twenty two. Uh, happy May the early May the fourth to you as well. May the fourth be with you, man. Uh, Bill Belichick also was the head coach of the Jets for a solid minute and resigned after a day. I'm not sure if you a know this. You were, yeah, I don't know if you're if you ever heard this story or you're just too young to remember it. But he, then he went back and became the head coach of the Patriots. So there's no love loss with that whole Jets Patriots Bill Belichick type. Um, what do you want to say? Uh, love triangle or whatever it's going on there. The drama. The, the drama animosity runs deep. Yes. Um, so I hadn't talked to you since uh, you were partying it up over at stage AE in the Steelers draft party, but I'm assuming you liked, and I'm assuming there was a raucous ovation when they didn't move out of 32. And I, I heard the phones were, were a ringing and it took them a little while. Somebody had asked me, one of my buddies, uh, not a Steelers fan, what took so long for, for them to put that pick in? Well, one of it was just TV. You talk about the entertainment value. And they were talking about this on like Sirius XM or whatever. One of these guys, uh, one of the shows I listened to was talking about this as well. They were like, I want to know what the pick is. So I'm looking at Twitter. Well, I was trying to avoid Twitter to not spoil my enjoyment of watching it on TV. All three of these picks got spoiled because I just could not avoid the news because it, the internet was so far ahead of TV. They kind of dragged it out a little too much, but that pick was there because they were, that phone was ringing and they were still fielding offers. And we saw some teams move like the Titans to get Will Levis, but I'm assuming, I'm assuming that the city of Pittsburgh went nuts. I was kind of going nuts too. I'm like, Joey Porter has to be the pick here. And there it is. And very seldom do, you know, most of us here, myself, you and Brian, we hit on most of these or talked about most of these guys as like, these are our must wants. And it feels like a kid in a candy store to get all of them. So staying, staying put and getting Joey Porter jr. Uh, also your thoughts on, is he a week one starter? That's going to be interesting as well, because he very, very well could be, that might be one where they ease him in. I wonder how raw or whatever they feel. I guess it, we're going to see what happens at camp. If he's shutting down, people are competing with like George Pickens, for example, and knocking some uh, passes away that are on the money from Kenny Pickett. There are some first-team drills. He's probably not going to start in the first team like the first week or two of camp. But you get into some of this. Iron sharpens iron. What's that? Iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. That's right, my friend. So what do you think about Joey Porter Jr.? 
Yeah, I, I love the pick. There's nothing to hide about that, certainly. And being at the draft party was so cool down at Stage 8. They did a really good job of organizing that. I wasn't sure what to expect going into that because I'd never been to something like that. But it was there were more there were more people than I expected. It was uh, more organized and less chaotic than I was expecting. You could hear everything. You could see everything. People were having fun. Um, and as it was starting, I said I almost wanted the Steelers to take Joey Porter just for vibes alone because everybody in there wanted the pick to be Joey Porter. And we called this on the show, too. We said flat out that pick 32 heading into this draft, being in the Steelers' possession, had immense value. And if you had told me before the draft started, in particular before round one concluded, that they would trade the 32nd pick, well, I would have said no, duh. That's what I expected for us to trade back from 32. But then we said, if Joey Porter, well, because Joey Porter fell, that changes everything. We predicted that it'd be very hard for the Steelers to move on from Joey Porter from that pick, knowing that if a team traded up, it would probably be for him yeah. or one of the quarterbacks or perhaps one of the uh, good D linemen or tight ends that was left at the time. So we saw this coming that they probably wouldn't move back from 32, but that explains why, in my opinion, the pick took air quotes so long. It didn't take that long, but I feel like they were just holding on a couple last moments to see if a team got that crazy and maybe offered up a first round pick because those were the reports all day that it was going to take an immense great offer for the Steelers to move back. And I think the elephant in the room that was telling them that that was keeping them from trading. It was Joey Porter jr. Um, so I'm happy they made the pick position of need. Again, one of my top four positions in football, you got to have that position squared away. And if you can have an elite talent at that spot, it makes winning a super bowl that much easier. I think he should have gone in the first round. He's got historic length, good speed, good coverage ability. People make a big deal about the interception number being so oh. low in college. I think he had one or none. Well, he had 11 pass breakups. So that shows you he's not hes not some slouch out there. He's not getting toasted. And turnovers will come. I, I, I'm not worried about the turnover number with Joey Porter. I think he fits their system. He fits their roster. He obviously fits their pedigree and their history. So I was very happy with the pick. Um and I think that, you know, he's a little different from Broderick Jones as far as competition in his room. You've got Patrick Peterson and Levi Wallace, who both can start on the outside. You also have Arthur Mollette, who proved his worth as a solid nickel cornerback last year. And then you have the unknown of Akilla Witherspoon and James Pierre. Now, of that group, I would say James Pierre is the equivalent to Dan Moore of the left tackle room, who... Joey Porter is not competing with. He's competing with Levi Wallace, Patrick Peterson, and Akella Witherspoon for as long as he's on the team. So I think it's a little less likely that Porter starts week one. But before I get killed in the comments, <laughs> cornerback like receiver is a similar spot where you can filter guys in, in and out. And yeah. I expect, we all expect at this point because of interviews and what he said himself, Patrick Peterson may play a little safety, may play a little nickel. And Joey Porter is going to get reps. He'll get out there. As far as beating the, as far as being the starter, they announced on CBS Sports with a little picture. That might take a couple weeks, but he'll be out there week one, week two. It just, it might take a couple weeks before he's, you know, saying his name, Joey Porter Jr., Penn State on uh, NBC Football. 
Oh, they're going to announce him, and they're going to announce him as number 24, Joey Porter Jr., as he runs out the tunnel with Ike Taylor's number, or the irony of another guy who didn't have big interception numbers uh, wearing that one. <laughs> uh, we didn't get into we'll, we'll be talking a little bit about some of the um, – Yeah, well, I did when I saw it. I was thinking first, I was like, rest in peace, Benny Snell. But uh, – we'll, uh, at some point, we're going to compare all of this to the rest of the roster, too, as an overview, but it's more focused on the rookies right now. But they did sign Chandon Sullivan, and there's a lot that people are making uh, a meal out of and saying the Vikings secondary got torched last year and stuff. I'm like, I don't expect this guy to make the team. So it's. I, I forgot about him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I heard he's going to be more in the nickel mix as Maybe. well, Sullivan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've got plenty of corners. I'm thinking at some point here, Joey Porter, He did, again, he doesn't go at 32, practically a first-round pick. Do not play. You know, it's it's unheard of for the Steelers' second-round picks to not get in the mix somehow as well. But if they had any doubts about him being raw or anything else, and you're absolutely right. Even if they move back five, six spots, he he's not going to be there if they don't jump at him. The value is to take him right there. And the other guys were off the board. Deontay Banks was gone already. Emmanuel Forbes was already gone. I think Julius Brents goes right after this, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, he went a couple picks later, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I've got it, of course. Pick, well, 44, but that's before 49. He went to the Colts. Uh, I'm trying to see if there was any other corners. No, between those two picks, there were not. But that's before the, the 49. It depends who wanted to trade with uh, the Steelers here. Uh, I think Arizona picked up pick 41. So they might have still had a shot at Brent's. But, you know, we don't know where Brent's was on his draft board. So... Uh, why force that issue? I don't think anybody's upset with this, especially the way this ends up playing out. Next guy up, another second round pick. I was like floored. I'm like, am I right on this guy? Keanu Benton, another guy that we talked a little bit about. Primarily, he's going to fill that like old Javon Hargrave role where he could play a nose tackle. Still a second round pick. Another guy I think that gets on the field and immediately an upgrade over, I think, what you had before with Chris Wormley or Matravius Adams or just name all the other guys, Brandon Fahoyko and Loudermilk. Watts. Yeah, even Loudermilk. I mean, Loudermilk's on the bottom end of this type of thing, but we don't know where Leal's particularly playing. This gives them a little more depth behind Cam Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi. I, I, this guy had a win rate. He was just unbelievable with the amount of pressure he was able to put up. You put him in a traditional 3-4, and I think we're starting to get some shades of, you know, now the Steelers can start stopping the run again. Now they're going to be able to do some other things. I mean, just try and stop. I have a lot of high expectations for Benton. So you put him with Cam Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi, TJ Watt, and Alex Highsmith on that defensive front. That is going to be hell for opposing offensive lines. You, you can keep giving A's out as much as you want on some of these picks. This was the one uh, I can't say that for sure. Cause we still got one more where I'm like I'm jumping out of my skin about, I was very excited about uh, Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin, which was another thing. I got to bring this up real quick too. It was one of the beat writers. I will protect the uh, guilty here. Mentioned if that you're not from Georgia or Wisconsin. You can't be a Steeler. Sorry. Well, it was all the Wisconsin players got in contact with Benton. And to this point, it was kind of like, what, both of them, including TJ Watt. So I was like, oh, so TJ Watt and the other guy, <laughs> like, I know they have like somebody that's pretty much a practice squad player, but it was just kind of a, it was a real, it was a real silly 
kind of uh, statement here because it's like it was TJ Watt, Isaiah Loudermilk, Scott Nelson. And then, of course, you know, one of the other players that gets picked later, uh, the brother of Nate Herbig, Nick Herbig, ends up joining the team. But it's like, oh, all the Wisconsin folks got in touch. And it was like, yeah, both of them you know, at that point. So uh, what do you, I, I, I'm going to it's not quite quite. quite Chris uh, Collinsworth, you ever play Madden when it was just John Madden on the commentary? He's like talking with Pat Summerall and he's like, what do you think about Keanu Benton? There's that. That was before my time, brother. My <laughs> oh, first year playing Madden was uh, the Michael Vick cover. So it was a little bit after that. Oh, that, that. might have worked. That might have been still Pat, Pat and John Madden with Michael Vick. That was like 04, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good one. That was a good one. 03 was really good too, but 2004, 2005, I think the game peaked at that point. And yeah, I, I agree. I read around 07, 08 was like when I really was like in the thick of my Madden days. Uh, as a kid, anyway, I played all the way through high school. So Madden 12 was when I really played a lot. But Keanu Benton, I uh, love the pick. No surprises there. The Steelers do this every year, I feel like, in the draft. And it's inevitable because I am only a human man. I am one person. I'm singular. And I can't know every prospect front ways and back ways. You know, there are some guys that even if they're highly rated, they kind of slipped through my cracks a little bit. I know you and Brian like Benton, but I had not put a whole lot of time into studying this guy up. And all I'm hearing is great things. First and foremost, what I loved when I got home from the draft party is I was so juiced up as I was watching the draft again on TV when I got home uh, on NFL Network replaying. And the Steelers were up at 32, and they were talking about picking Joey Porter or picking somebody else or trading and about – 30 seconds before the pick was in, Charles Davis goes on this tangent about how, well, if the Steelers can't trade the pick and they aren't thinking corner here, Keanu Benton's a name I really like right here as well yeah. because of this, that, and the other. And I was like, full on Leonardo DiCaprio meme. I was like, we get him in the next <laughs> round. Like, I was like, that alone <laughs> I was tells hoping. you that this guy was highly regarded coming out as a top defensive tackle and uh a film guy i really respect on twitter his name's brett coleman he does a lot of good work breaking down uh players especially during the draft he compares keanu benton to cam hayward so that works out and it's a position of need again um we maintained on this show in particular and me with my friends talking to family and friends i said these top three picks the top two in particular i was thinking cornerback and tackle and the one wild card that could throw things off would be a defensive lineman if a one of immense talent fell to them and made them want to pick one over a tackle or corner. Well, that didn't happen, but one with a lot of talent did still fall. However, they were able to get him at 49. And I do believe, similar to Joey Porter Jr., he may not be the week one starter, but this guy's going to play a lot as a rookie, and he'll probably be starting at one point as a rookie. And... um He's more in the Broderick Jones camp where his competition isn't that thick. He already went down the list. There really isn't the most fearsome group in that room ahead of him. So I expect him to play a lot, and um, I expect him to make an impact because along with stuffing the run, he has a lot of impressive pass rush reps on tape. And when you can rush the passer as an interior defensive lineman, that's how you become a guy like Javon Hargrave or Cam Hayward. That's not a lot of people understand that, that are, that are uh, casuals, but when you're a defensive tackle, not a defensive end, if you're a defensive tackle that can rush the passer, it's, it's like being a safety that has the range that I've talked about before. It's like an elite trait that these guys have. It separates you from the rest. And Keanu Benton has that. 
Cool. Yeah, I know that uh, a lot of people were looking. They were thinking maybe even Brian Branch and um, let's see, a couple centers went. Tipman, Avila. Uh, trying to think who else. We the had closer we got to the draft, the better yeah. I felt about them not taking a safety because I think yeah. that Keanu Neal <laughs> is is going to play uh, a lot. To Keanu who's on defense, yes. Keanu Neal is going to play a lot of uh, a lot of reps at safety, and uh, Casey will probably be your starter with Minka, but Keanu is going to play a lot and they feel good about their room. So safety was the one spot as we got closer to the draft that I felt better and better about them. Maybe not needing to address that spot on the draft. They probably wait till next year. Yeah. And we we're, I was kind of banging my fist. Uh, it was real close getting up to the draft and it was because of the visit from uh, Darnell Washington that made me think, Hey, they got a hole at tight end. Like if somebody gets hurt, you got Pat Fryermuth out for a concussion protocol or uh, Zach Gentry gets dinged. Like you're not going to be able to just throw Connor Hayward out there. He's just, he's a little, he's a little light. <laughs> and, uh, the fire hydrant. Yeah, he is. He's uh, like a pit bull or something. You know what I mean? But uh, he's not, a, he's not a, um, a St. Bernard, you know, the, the giant, uh, great Dane, like a bigger dog. And that's about my extent of my dog breeds that I know. So <laughs> I'm not, not well versed on that, but uh you know, Brian was the one that to give credit to him. He was the one that first brought up Washington and was even putting him in a little higher. We were even thinking like pick 32, 49 if he lasts there. This guy is a mammoth size. A lot of people were thinking man. that. He was Daniel Jeremiah's 33rd ranked overall player in the entire class. I know, man. Uh, you have a lot of that. Like there was a lot of these where they, all four were top 50, top 75, depending on who's big boards and who's draft analysts, unless you're Mel Kuyper Jr. Mel Kuyper Jr. gives the Steelers a B plus because they didn't have enough day three picks. Then My dad gave, was saying the wait, same wait, wait. shit. He was like, he's a Baltimore guy. <laughs> and he gave the Browns a B plus and they didn't pick until like 74 or something. They didn't even have like picks in the first two rounds. The Steelers have three of them. And it's like, what kind of nonsense does that make? And it's like, you know, I understand. I don't think he really panned anyone's draft. And everybody does well with what they got. Maybe it's like that's where the grade is, and you can't necessarily compare to what another team does. That's where it gets a little silly. But uh, Darnell Washington, uh, 6'7", 265, big dude. A lot of people were scared off. I guess he fell to where he did uh, with the Steelers. Let's see, what pick was this? 93 in the third round. Just Oh, that's unbelievable, too. They were actually up at 80. Got to mention this, too, as part of – so this parlays – they moved back. I had some Bengals fans approach me and they said, Hey, you he took our guy. A lot of people had Darnell Washington mocked to the Bengals and he, and he, and he fell because he had his knee scoped or something. They're cleaned up. I guess he had some inflammation, swelling, whatever it may be, but he had a medical procedure and everyone says, no, that's kind of, you're not going to hear that before the draft because everyone's keeping those cards like real close to the vest, right? That's why the Steelers probably had him come in, but then they trade back the guts to trade back and think, nah, no, nobody's going to touch this guy. Uh, the, we've already had the run on the tight ends. We're taking a look at. Uh, I'm trying to see where where the where all the players were. So Tucker Craft went. Oh man, yeah, the Packers took like two tight ends somewhere in this too. And they took, uh, Musgrave, didn't they? Yeah, I think so. Then um, you know, let's see, Brenton Strange went at 61 to the Jaguars, but that's that's well before. So the Steelers they, they decide to move back with with the Carolina Panthers. And they, they feel, okay, some running backs may come off the board and like three of them do. Some other linebackers they're not interested in. I know a lot of people are looking at Dorian Williams who ended up going to the Bills, et cetera, et cetera. Simpson. 
Yeah, but the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals were sitting there at 92. So the Steelers had picked 93, and the Bengals trade out of it. You know, I was worried. I'm like, are the Bengals, is this going to be William Jackson all over again? And they take Me too, dude. I tweeted about that. I said, I do not like that the Bengals pick right before us. And the, and they trade, <laughs> I was fine with trading back. Yeah. And then when I saw they were 92, I was like, dude, like, yeah. they're going to take somebody we traded back for or had the idea to trade back for. And to those of the few, I know most people are pretty on board with that pick and they love the pick from a value perspective alone. But if you were upset with the pick because it was a tight end, you didn't think it was as much of a need as Joe or myself did, they could have taken him at 80, dude. They could have taken him at 80 and then you don't get the next draft pick, Nick Herbig. They were smart enough to bump back, get the tight end, get that need filled and also bump back and get a guy of an, of also good value, Nick Herbig, who checks the box of either edge or off-ball linebacker value. So they, they both mattered. And he fell because of a knee issue. You're right. They were talking about that's why he was falling. He got red flagged, as they say, in some people's war rooms, in their draft rooms, that their doctors came back to them and said, listen, this guy, he's got like maybe three, four, five years max. His knee's going to go. And at the same time, there was another source reported uh, per Jeremy Fowler, I'm pretty sure, that called those claims laughable, saying the guy's going to play a long time, at least 10 years, this guy said. So in the fourth round, when you get to that point, sorry, those are the risks you take. We're talking about almost pick 100 here. And they're getting a guy who, I mentioned this already, Daniel, Daniel Jeremiah, who's a widely respected scout on TV, has a podcast, worked for the Ravens, Browns, Chargers now, etc. He had him ranked as his 33 overall player in the whole class and a lot of people had him going at least in the second round and the Steelers steal him at 93 and tight end aside he's going to provide a great weapon in the red zone and in other aspects for Kenny Pickett but he essentially is a sixth lineman a lot of people say this Brian has said this you've said this he's proud to say it himself I heard somebody say his license plate on his car reads sixth lineman I don't know how true that is <laughs> but I heard that's a thing that's pretty so he, cool he is willing to embrace that role, which a lot of tight ends aren't like they want to catch passes. They want to be a receiver. All tight ends at heart want to be a receiver, just like all receivers at heart want to be a quarterback. They all want more, you know, and a tight end of his skill set to be so openly willing and proud to block is rare. And he's darn good at it. You look at a lot of Georgia's best run plays last year, in particular to the left, it's Broderick Jones and Darnell Washington mm-hmm. just taking dudes and throwing them out of the club. The mm-hmm. two of them, when they team up, they can plow through. It's like watching two tractors do like the crop circles on a farm. Like it's just right over them. And then you see the running back bust through. I think I have a theory. I can't bet on this anywhere. Najee Harris might have his longest run of the year, and he might have a touchdown where he goes untouched. I don't know how long it's going to be away from but that's how good their blocking is and how much I'm looking forward to seeing them come together reunited in Pittsburgh now and still have that chemistry as a unit, um, at least when Darnell's on the left side. Um, and that that's besides his receiving ability. I'm very excited for his receiving ability. I think he would have posted better stats if the Georgia Bulldogs didn't have um, Brock Bowers, who's largely viewed as the best tight end prospect ever. So he was hogging up a lot of the tight end love. Darnell Washington knew that going into the season, didn't transfer, another sign that he just gets it. And similar to Joey Porter, 
and probably Keanu Benton to a lesser extent, we're getting a pissed off guy, a guy who feels like he should have gone earlier. And that's something you can't uh, measure or or watch on tape is how much a guy wants it or how much he's pissed off. And I love that. That's a reoccurring theme of this class is we're getting guys who should have been picked earlier and are pissed off about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Definitely. Like, yeah, they all are. Uh, particularly Porter was in the green room. And how about that? Like, I thought he was going to show up there at stage AE. Um, he went to the facility. Uh, yeah, a lot of people thought that that was a rumor going around. They already picked him and told him, and he was backstage waiting to come out. That would have been sick. Yeah, it would have been even more sick if somebody was like, we'll give you next year's first round for 32, and then they don't take him. So, <laughs> and then like, what hey, do you Joey, do? Joey, about Sorry, that. Joey. Sorry, Joey. We, I know we promised. I thought you were going to jump the Herbig real quick, uh, too. So we'll go back to that as far as the topics go. But, uh, we'll try to get you at 49, Joey. Yeah, not, you know what? Not everyone thinks Najee's going to have a good season. Andrew Filipponi, our favorite person to, well, one of our favorites in the Pittsburgh sports media, has a bold Steelers prediction. It says Jalen Warren will be the Steelers RB1 by Halloween. Uh, no excuses for Najee Harris behind much improved line. Najee injuries and overuse in rookie year derailed career. Uh, dude, blow it out your ass. Like, that's just like, that's such a bad take. Overuse. Does he forget how last year ended? Najee, like, kind of righted the ship after, like, week yeah. four or five. He was running, like, first-round pick Najee. Yeah, first-round pick Najee. And that was behind, like, Dan Moore and Kevin Dotson. And, like, what do you think is going to happen now with uh, Isaac Suamalu and Broderick Jones and Darnell Washington and a 12 personnel or something like that? He was largely responsible for – I love giving Kenny all the credit in the world, and he deserves it. But Najee is largely responsible as well. During the Raiders, they all of a sudden decided to stop covering him in the past game, and Kenny threw him, like, some of the – most passes he caught all year in a single game and helped us get down the field for George Pickens touchdown and versus the Ravens. He literally caught the game winning touchdown on a great play. So I, I, I feel like that's a force. That's another guy just trying to pop content. Uh, and yeah. And you know what? That's why we're here in the middle of the week. One show this week, probably we don't have to force anything. We said most of our piece on the first two rounds. Now we're coming around to some of the guys we didn't, uh, we didn't get to talk about. Uh, because we didn't do anything since uh, <laughs> day three of the draft. That's because they only had three picks. And at the time, we didn't even know on Friday until it was said and done that they were going to have another one for Nick Herbig, brother of Nate, some more uh, family ties in this draft, another Wisconsin guy. And there's some speculation here. Is he an edge rusher? Is he depth for an edge rusher? That's where they claim that they're going to like to have him at. But you know what? As an outside linebacker, this guy, um, he projects he could be an off-ball linebacker, much in the same way Ryan Shazier moved from edge when he was at Ohio State over to the inside, too. So we're just going to have to see how camp ends up sorting itself out, but you got to like his blitzing ability, his ability to win. He was, uh, again, very highly thought of a lot of through a lot of the draft analysts, a lot of draft boards could be something that's a little bit of a deep sleeper fourth round picks. These are still guys that contribute. So I would expect to see Herbig out there and some capacity. I would assume unless they add some more edge depth, that it's going to be on the edge first that they're going to try him out. Although we still don't know about the Marvin Leal, but uh, behind the Landon Roberts and Cole Holcomb, all you got is Mark Robinson. So you're going to have, even if he does move inside, you got some green guys. Herbig definitely is going to contribute on special teams this year. He's going to get a helmet, I believe on game days as well. Yeah. He's a stud. 
absolute <laughs> stud. That's what uh, Nate Herbig said about him, his brother, during his initial press conference whenever the Steelers signed Nate Herbig. They, of course, asked him about Nick, his brother at Wisconsin, and that is when Nate began to pitch the idea to the Steelers and all of us of us drafting Nick Herbig. And I'll admit that when I heard that, I, I wasn't that into the draft yet, um, as far as the mid-rounds especially. I mean, I had the first couple rounds down, I guess. But Nick Herbig was a name I heard, and I thought, oh, that that's cool. Like, what is it, like a late-round pick? And then the more I saw this guy and the more I heard about him, I was like, oh, no, he might go in the middle round. So that actually be a decent pick for the Steelers. I'm on board. And I keep bringing up this guy's name, but Daniel Jeremiah, when day three started, Nick Herbig was his top-rated player left, or top two. By the time the Steelers picked, he was the top player left. So they crush it again with value from that perspective. The whole tweener thing, I think that's part of why he fell, not knowing if he's going to be an inside guy or an outside guy. They have need for depth in both areas, but I'm with you. I think edge makes more sense because he's not the biggest guy, and I would argue that that makes him more likely to be on the edge because if you're in the middle, you're taking on guards, you're filling in the run game, and when you're an outside guy, you're still doing that too. But as a rookie especially, this is what the Seahawks did for Bruce Irvin back in the day. They could just say, listen, dude, just pin your ears back and rush the quarterback. We're not going to worry about putting you in like over TJ or Highsmith, obviously. Like, But on downs where we know it's going to be a pass, maybe he'll get in for that and just try to rush the quarterback. He can handle that as a rookie. He'll add more weight to his frame over time. But right now, I think he would be better suited, at least for the start of his career, to be on the edge and just being asked to, to blitz. And of course, you know, play your keys. If they're going to run, then, then react. But put him in there to rush the passer. Don't overload his plate. Um... And I think they can succeed that way with this kid. I, uh, I love his energy. Uh, some of his videos have been my favorite that have come out since being drafted. He's a big screamer. Uh, his draft party seemed like it was a lot of fun. You had Nate, her big bear, gassing him up. And I love watching those videos, man. It, they aren't foolproof, but you get a good sense of how much a guy is just excited and how much he's going to put forward to be great. And these guys who scream, they yell, they cry. I eat that shit up. So I love the energy he brings. Um, I love that the Steelers got him where they did. They didn't reach for him. Great value, position of need. So he checks all those boxes. I, I think it's a good pick, all things considered. Yeah, and something that needs to be said is 20 sacks in his last 23 games. This is Wisconsin. This is in the Big Ten. These are some big boys. These are, you know, the... You've got Michigan's and the Ohio States of the world that they've got to play. Uh, dude, dude, dude. You know. Everybody loves the SEC, me included. Yeah. And I thought of this the other day, and you just reminded me. It was like a lightning bolt in my head. I um, thought about this, how SEC gets all the shine. Well, the best linemen typically come from the Big Ten, typically. Like, not always, but that's like a – if you're going to get a good lineman, chances are you're looking Big Ten or SEC. And the Big Ten, they breed the big boys, like you just said. So the fact that Herbig was able to put those stats up in the Big Ten, not the MAC, you know, not the yeah. Pac-12, he did it in the Big Ten where their linemen are notably famously good. So the level of competition was high, and he was still able to accumulate that sack number. Yeah, and, you know, uh, I know he got shut down a little bit against Ohio State. It's one of the games where he got blanked, but, you know, against Iowa, Maryland, three sacks apiece, two and a half against Michigan State, uh, you know, uh, 
to get going against know, his own Wisconsin teammates yeah, every yeah, day yeah, yeah. in practice. Yeah, obviously the iron sharpening, the iron type thing. And one other to bring up is uh, Pro Football Focus, uh, the college wing of this, had the 92.8 pass rush grade on Herbig since 2021. That's the second best in the entire Big Ten. And where was this guy drafted again? Oh, what pick was this? 132, 132 in the fourth round? Yeah, that's kind of interesting. That's really interesting. So uh, as we uh, progress here through, now we've got two seventh round picks. And this is like one of those areas where you get into and you're like, who? Although like not everybody thought who when Corey Trice ends up coming off of the board. Uh, Corey Trice out of uh, Purdue. And you know what? I had a photo for him and now I don't know what I did with it. But I'm gonna end up finding. I'll find it later. Um, gotta get my gotta get my guy a spotlight now. When we go to the other seventh round pick, there was like no photos at all for Spencer Anderson, <laughs> like offensive guard. It's just like nope, no photos for you. Um, not a whole lot. Uh, not a whole lot of people were thinking a whole lot of Corey Trace, but another big corner, maybe like a project like a Brian Allen type that came out a few years ago. But six three two oh five. Uh, he's gonna be. It's going to be intriguing to watch because it's somebody that is he going to bump somebody like James Pierre off the roster? And we said, what was it, Chandon Sullivan or whatever that just got signed? But five year player or Purdue, he did end up getting uh, hurt, I believe, the previous year, and that kind of hurt some of his uh, his draft stock. So uh, I like it. I like somebody that's going to be big and physical. You want guys. What did Mike Tomlin, uh, Keanu Benton let slip that he wanted some goons? Here's another goon with Corey Trice. Uh, yeah, man. I um I had heard that this guy was very highly regarded, and another guy who slipped through my cracks because once we got beyond the top six, seven, eight corners of the class in the media's eyes and in the Steelers' top thirty visits eyes. I didn't give a whole lot of looks to the rest of the cornerback class, but Trice in some people's eyes, I mentioned Brett Coleman earlier, Brett Coleman had Joey Porter Jr. as his cornerback four of the whole class. Yeah. Corey Trice was his cornerback five of the whole class. And again, I said, this guy knows his stuff and it wasn't just him. A lot of people had a mid round grade on this kid, but similar to Darnell Washington, he slipped because of a red flag injury. And as far as his camp is concerned, as far as he's come out and said, Everything is fine. All systems go. I can't speak for three, four years down the line, but strictly speaking of those terms, I love the pick from a value standpoint where it's the seventh round, dude. Who cares? You know, at one point before they picked, I was pushing for uh, Hunter Lipke, Hunter Lipke, the best fullback of the draft, because we had not yet re-signed Derek Watt. We still haven't because it's the seventh round, dude. Like I wasn't like making too much of an argument this way or the other. It's where it's an area where yeah, if you can fill some depth spots that they did with Spencer Anderson, great. But if there's a guy who falls of Corey Trice's caliber, a guy who by most accounts should have gone by the fourth round at the latest, then you take a swing on that guy. I uh, I feel good about his competition and because I don't think he's going to be battling with Patrick Peterson, Levi Wallace, or Joey Porter Jr., who I mentioned earlier. He, he, by all accounts, could be. He could have a phenomenal camp, and he could be in that mix. But I think he's going to be competing with strictly James Pierre, Shannon Sullivan, and um, the other uh, camp invitees and undrafted guys like that of that caliber. I think he has a really good shot to make the roster in that regard, as long as 
he can beat out a guy like that, which I think he can as long as he's healthy, he may make the final 53 because I have yet to see a seventh round pick like this. Well, actually, that's not true. I would say Trey Norwood actually it reminds me of Trey yeah. Norwood where when the Steelers picked him, there were a decent amount of people coming out and saying this kid could make the team, not only because of the competition he faces on the Steelers' particular roster, but his ball skills and what he brings to the table and for, as far as his positives as a defensive back are traits teams covet. He's a good cover guy. He's got length. He's physical. These are things you look for in a cornerback. Pardon me. So I like the pick. I was surprised it happened. I know some people were bringing him up on Twitter and other platforms as one of the best available. And um, when the pick came through, I um, was happy to see it. That That's the best way I can convey my emotions to the people. When they made the pick, I wasn't like, darn, I wanted someone else. I wasn't bored. I, w- I was pretty excited to see a name flash across the screen in the seventh round that a lot of people were calling for. Yeah, I'm there with you. Um, the very last one, I don't have a whole lot else to add about Trice, um, to be honest. We'll see if, if he if – he, amounts to being anything uh super special or not yeah you made a good call mentioning brian allen and i I think that's a good it's always important to keep perspective the guy went in the seventh round you know but as far as the seventh round pick i feel as good about it as i could pretty late seventh round picks too for the steelers um cory trace was 241 and then spencer uh may as well go and just jump in here on uh spencer anderson was 10 picks later what we failed to mention was when the Steelers moved back they moved back 13 spots uh from the uh from their uh which pick was that the third round pick that they used pick for, 80 yeah pick 80 and then uh then picked up one the one they traded was 13 back as well it was pretty interesting uh so it was almost equal in what they gained but Spencer Anderson a lot of people were like oh they didn't I, I, I get so like irate about like how folks watch the day three picks. I did not sit there and watch all day three of the draft. They try and stump the truck. You know what that's all about? They oh, don't yeah, know who I some of these people the are. Truck. Yeah. They don't know who these people are half the time. Uh, and that's what it is. It's a, these might be long shots. And if you don't nail your seventh round picks, this is absolute garbage. Why didn't I wish they would have done something different here in this draft? Look, they weren't taking kickers and punters like the Patriots or whatever, you know, in the middle rounds. Uh, you you mentioned Mel Kuyper. I saw somebody else yeah. say if they would have done better in round seven. I'm like, so who are you talking about? Spencer Anderson? Because by all accounts, people love the Trice pick, Corey Trice. They think he's going to be something potentially. Are you, are you critiquing the last pick they had, 251 Spencer Anderson? Like, who cares? Dude, it's a seventh round. I, I think they made the right call. I mean, they didn't address offensive line after Broderick Jones, and you can always use depth in that area. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you absolutely. You need uh, depth. There's who's your backup center right now, and it, some people are saying maybe Nate Herbig, maybe uh, maybe the Spencer Anderson, maybe they work him out there. So you just you, he is somebody, versatile. Yeah. Nobody's mentioning Kendrick Green. Okay. And you know what? I'm gonna throw one other name out there. It's yeah. It's just like an extra guy. This guy probably won't get a helmet on game days if he makes the squad right now. Uh, one undrafted one. Uh, you were talking. You were mentioning Derek Watt. Uh, Monty Poundabaum 
from Ooh. Iowa. He's, it, he looks like a lot more handsome there. I got to find like another photo of him with the mullet. Yeah, he's got a nasty mullet, dude. You're not doing him justice with that picture. Oh, no, I got to find it. Let's see if I can find That's his government picture you Twitter. just put up there. <laughs> it's his passport. Uh, let's they see. gave him a $10,000 yep. signing bonus, which, you know, that's nothing to sneeze at. No, nothing to sneeze at. You've got, um, oh, I'll, I'll give Brian Batko some credit here. There you go. There's the there's the lovely mullet. But this guy's he's another fire hydrant, and that's Dan Kreider. Yes, and it's uh, since the Steelers don't have a dedicated fullback. I mean, maybe Connor Hayward can, but if he doesn't, then he's got a, this this kid's got a shot at may, perhaps making the team here and making an impact. I think he was maybe, Monty Powerbomb. <laughs> Powerbomb. I think he had the. I think he has maybe the best shot. I would say of the undrafted guys. I didn't go through. I could probably find the list real quick, but nobody else. Really I would say I would say him or the uh, the return specialist who plays uh, running back. But they, oh, they yeah. keep saying he's a running back and a receiver, kind of like Tree Archer, San Diego State. That kid's got wheels. Yeah, and you know what? I um, I'd be remiss because I was I was like I almost wanted to say Kevin Durant. Remember we were doing that last year and Jalen Warren. Uh, but but out of the rest of the class that got signed, it wasn't like it wasn't it wasn't anything that was a major major like anybody that really stood out. Like the Steelers were still looking for like a backup uh, running back. So yeah, let me see the undrafted rookies that they went after: Jordan Bird, San Diego State, uh, Monty Potterbaum, Tanner Morgan, quarterback Wisconsin or not Wisconsin. I'm sorry, Minnesota. So unless Mason Rudolph comes back. This might be your guy that's quarterback three, but I don't I don't think so either. I think they're yeah, gonna he, wait. He, he got some uh, he got cut. some late round projection love. I saw yeah. Tanner Morgan was thought of to be maybe a sixth round pick. So he was when we signed him, that was kind of a little bit of name value. I knew who he was at least. But uh yeah, the headliner of the class is the fullback. Yeah, sure. BT Potter, kicker from Clemson. He's gonna be, you know, camp competition. David Perales, uh Fresno State linebacker, James Nyawaya. I think is uh, Niam Waya defensive end Merrimack. The yeah. the, the guy, and, the other guy you said from uh, San Diego State, Perales. Yeah, Perales. Perales, not yeah. a great name for a defensive player. Yeah, he, he got some uh, love from uh, <laughs> NFL.com article of uh, you know they all pick our best undrafted free agents. They picked him. Much to my surprise, I thought it was going to be uh, Monty Potterbaum or um, Bird. Yeah, and one other is Trevor Downing, a center out of Iowa State. At worst case scenario, practice squad guy who could give you some competition overall. Man, I really like this. I like the overview. I like covering some of the other half of the class that we didn't end up getting. We are up against it, though. So thanks for uh, tuning in. If you didn't catch the live shows, they're available on replay audio versions wherever you listen to your podcasts or over on YouTube. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Zach, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us once again. What's up, man? You're pointing around. My pleasure. Yeah, the old salute. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that just because of <laughs> Shannon Sharp and the old Mile High salute. I don't have very no, good Terrell memories Davis. of those. What's that? That was TD. They all did it at some point. Kind of uh, like the Lambo yeah. Leap thing, you know. Uh, oh, man. We'll get into that on another episode. Jordan Love. Oh, geez. I don't know. 
Let's just count your blessings that the Steelers don't have to deal with any of that. Thank God Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers made up their mind and did something with these other teams so we can maybe get an NFL schedule here in the near future. Please and thank you. That would be nice. So it's it's driving me crazy, man. I got to be able to make my plans now. And usually the schedule's out. Sometimes it's out before the draft. And they had yeah. to wait for these matchups. And they're talking about how many primetime games the Jets are going to have. And I'm just like, how many are they going to flex? <laughs> I'm coming with the heat on that one. I am not, I'm not in sync with that. The Jets hype right now is like two or three years ago, Cleveland Browns hype for Super Bowl. Uh, the Broncos. Yeah. Oh yeah. Broncos, man. I don't know. The same thing as the Broncos last year. It's almost mm-hmm. identical. Uh, Broncos are getting some of that still too, because of Sean Payton and whatnot, but uh, they gave away a lot of their draft. I'd be given a lot of that. I, I give a lot more of that over to the Seahawks because the Seahawks were still, you know, playoff bound. They were competing for those spots with Geno Smith and they don't have a high priced quarterback. And they had all that uh, draft capital plus like guys like Noah Fant that got traded to their team too. So, but those are more things to talk about here in the coming days in weeks as we're going to hit the slow period, but we're still going to try to come to you a couple of times a week. So thank you for tuning in, watching or listening, wherever you may be. My name is Joe. His name is Zach. And until next time we encourage all of our viewers and listeners out there to be safe, be good. And we'll catch you later. We would like to thank you for listening and remind our listeners to follow us on social media and our website, www.steelcityunderground.com.